everyone, Mark Meckler here. Glad to be with you on the Sunday Night Battle Cry. Again, always my favorite night of the week. I love it because, you know, I like hanging out with the family on Sundays. But really, the best part is that when the evening comes to a close, I get to come hang out with you guys. I dressed up for you tonight. What do you think? Do I look sharper than usual? I know you might miss the t-shirt and the gear. Don't forget, you can always get the cool gear and the t-shirts and the hats and the mugs and all that stuff at conventionofstates.com forward slash store. Or just go to conventionofstates.com. You can click on the store button. We'll take you right there. Get all the cool stuff. No, they don't have the dress shirts and the jackets. And there's nothing cool about this stuff anyway. Anyway, it is Sunday night. I'm excited to be with you. We got a lot of headlines to cover. And one of the things that I really wanted to do is I wanted to cover some positive stuff because there's so much negative stuff that happens in the news every week. We get so frustrated. I don't know about you guys, but you know, I got constant news feed on my screens in front of me. I got three big screens here. So there's bad stuff coming through all day long. Why? Because the media loves to report bad stuff. You know, they say if it bleeds, it leads. That's how they get their clicks. That's how they get their eyeballs. So that's mostly what you get. But there's a ton of good stuff happening. And when I say good stuff, I don't just mean like the feel-good stories. Uh, you can get some of that stuff from Epic Times. I love that. They have some great feel-good stories that I get every day. But I'm talking actual hard news that's good stuff. And it doesn't sell, I realize, but I love the good stuff. So let's say this week, never, ever, never give up, never lose hope, and never stop fighting. That's our call to action. Right? So you never lose hope, you never give up, and you never stop fighting. To be honest, if that's your mindset, you got to have good news now and then. You can't just dwell on the negative. When people dwell on the negative all the time, what happens is they lose their faith. I mean, maybe they actually lose their faith for real. Maybe they just lose faith in America. They lose faith in the American people. They, they lose faith in the idea of the American experiment and that we can still make this happen. And I fundamentally believe that. One of the reasons I believe that, I think I have an advantage because I get to travel around all the time and meet people just like you. And I get to do it uh, last week. We'll talk about this more later. I was in Pennsylvania. I've been all over the country. I've been in almost all the states. And everywhere I go, I meet incredible patriots who are in the fight. Like literally in places like San Francisco, California, or in Manhattan, right? You know, in Portland, Oregon, places where you look at that and you think, oh, that's a lost city, Los Angeles, California. But there are great patriots everywhere in the country. So never lose hope, never give up, and never quit fighting. That's the theme for the day. And I'm going to give you some good news, unless you know you shouldn't do that, because we actually are winning on a lot of fronts. So here's one. This is a win for Dick Heller. D.C. repeals limit on rounds to be carried by permit holders. Now, you might know the name Heller. Heller versus D.C. is the case brought by Dick Heller, ultimately made its way to the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court declared that the right to keep your firearms was a fundamental right. In other words, it was a fundamental right in the Constitution, that it was equivalent to the rights under the First Amendment. And this is a big deal. The left's been trying to say it's some sort of secondary or ancillary right for a long time. So Dick Heller is the guy that fought that fight. And I actually think now he's won seven or eight lawsuits against Washington, D.C. I think he's seven for seven or eight for eight. And this week, the man, Dick Heller, is a consistent persistent thorn in the side of District Columbia's anti-gun government and police department. He's been doing this for over a decade. He won again. And this is from a website called The Truth About Guns. This is so cool. In July, Heller filed a lawsuit. This one also called Heller versus DC. And it challenged the city's limit on the total number of rounds a concealed carry license holder can carry in the capital city when they're armed. 
the city, because they're morons and they're just trying to keep people from carrying guns, had set an arbitrary limit of 20 rounds for concealed carriers. The latest Heller case asked the court for an injunction to block enforcement of the limit. Now, we've had other cases since Heller that have expanded the protections for concealed carry holders. The Bruin case in this last uh, cycle of the Supreme Court, really important, not just the right to keep, but the right to bear arms, to carry your firearms with you. In, in a post-Bruin world, any limitation on the number of rounds you can carry, it's not going to work. And it's unlikely to be able to be defended on the merits. So what had happened is in this case, D.C. versus Heller, the district was coming up on the date where they had to respond to the lawsuit and they had to be able to justify their 20-round limit. Yeah, well, seems like the city's attorneys couldn't do it. And so they folded. And what they did is they just created a new regulation uh, I think it was a special emergency and proposed rulemaking and the city knew it was going to get smacked down. And so they didn't want to risk a ruling that could endanger other aspects of their current gun control regime. So they folded. So for those of you that carry in Washington, D.C., and by the way, there are quite a few people who do that now. You can actually get a concealed carry permit in Washington, D.C., now you can carry whatever you want as far as numbers of rounds. So that is really good news on guns in Washington, D.C. That's a win we should celebrate wins. And no, I'm not sick of winning, but we should definitely celebrate wins. All right, so there's also good news in regards to illegal immigration. I'm not telling you the border's sealed. That would be really good news on illegal immigration. I'm not telling you we don't have an illegal immigration problem. We have a massive, historic, all-time problem on the border. But I will tell you that we and conservatives are winning the narrative on illegal immigration. It's really incredible. And I'm super thrilled that Ron DeSantis and Doug Ducey in Arizona, and even Governor Abbott here in Texas, who I'm not a huge fan of, but they're doing the right thing. And they're busing and flying illegal immigrants to places that really drive Democrats crazy, right? So they've been sending them to New York City, and that's freaking out the mayor of New York City, Mariel Bowser, or that's Washington, D.C., I'm sorry, sending them to New York City. Uh, their, their new mayor is freaking out on this. Sending them to Chicago, and Lori Lightweight is freaking out on this. And they're saying that these border state governors are creating a crisis in these major cities. Now, these small towns like Del Rio, Texas, right? So a city, maybe 100,000, they're getting flooded with thousands and thousands of illegal immigrants. You send 500 to New York City and they're freaking out on it. And the best one of all, I have to say, DeSantis just seems to be the best at all this stuff, all this trolling of anybody. He sent 50... Yeah, that's right. Count the number. 50 illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. You got to love that. The playground of leftist rich and famous. He sent them there. They freaked out. They said it's creating a crisis. It's creating an incredible emergency for them. You could see signs all over Martha's Island that, you know, like we welcome immigrants. We welcome everybody. We believe Black Lives Matter. But all the stuff that they say, right? All the virtue signaling. 50 illegal immigrants show up. They're freaking out. They say it's a crisis. They say they don't have enough housing for 50 illegal immigrants. The tolerant and diversity is our strength. Liberals in Martha's Vineyard can't even last one day. Not one day. So now what they're doing, they're deporting them. They are. They're going to take them off the island and sending them to a military base. Isn't that great? So like literally... The center of leftist uh, wokeism on the East Coast, where all the rich and famous go to vacation, where President Obama has his 23-acre vacation compound that costs Lord knows how many tens of millions of dollars, they can't take 
50 immigrants on the island. So they look like idiots because they are idiots. You know, in major metropolitan areas like New York and Detroit and Washington, D.C., where there are literally millions of people live, they're freaking out on 1,500 illegal immigrants. But I, I, I'm confused because I thought those were sanctuary cities. Those are places where they won't get rid of immigrants, where they love illegal immigrants. Those are the people who love an open border, who want Texas and who want Arizona to have to take in an unlimited supply of illegal immigrants. Yeah, they just don't like it when it comes home to them. And so I'm telling you, the reason I'm saying this is good news is because they're freaking out. Their, their hypocrisy is obvious for the entire country to see places that could actually handle and should be able to handle a massive influx because they are sanctuary cities are now freaking out and declaring states of emergency and challenging and accusing Texas of turning New York into a border city. Oh, but I, I thought border cities were good. I thought New York was a sanctuary city. I thought it likes as many illegal immigrants as it can get. So I love this. And the reason I think this is good news is because the narrative is working. And these governors, Ducey and Abbott and DeSantis are doing the right thing. And they say none of them are going to stop until the border is sealed. And I think that is absolutely awesome. And I think that's great news on illegal immigration. But anytime the Democrats are freaking out, I think it's good news. Here's some good news from the FBI. Well, it's not actually good news from the FBI. The FBI is completely out of control. It's a rank agency. It's a police state, Stasi-style agency intimidating their political opponents and this week, they actually seized Mike Lindell's cell phone. I wonder if they seized his pillows as well or his slippers. They actually got him at a Hardee's restaurant. Uh, look, if you're from the Western U.S., you might not know what a Hardee's is. It's Carl's Jr. in the East uh, and in the Midwest. They actually blocked him off as he was driving through a Hardee's restaurant, blocked him off with FBI cars, seal or, uh, stole his cell phone. I mean, I think it's stealing. I know it's according to a warrant, uh, and they, I shouldn't call it stealing, I guess, but they stole his cell phone. His cell phone controls, apparently, his hearing aids. He runs all of his companies off his cell phone. He doesn't use a computer, and they took it from him. They're like, this is just a blatant act of political intimidation of a guy that's been speaking up about the 2020 elections. Whatever you think of Mike Lindell, he's a wild man. I like Mike Lindell. Whatever you think of Mike Lindell, whatever you think of my pillows, I got my pillows all over the house, but that's not why I'm speaking up for him. This is outrageous. And this is an outrageous abuse of authority, of police state authority by the FBI. And the American people are reacting to it. They don't like seeing this kind of stuff. And I think it's good. And I think it's important. And the good news really is that Lindell is now suing the federal government over this. And he has the resources to do this. And I think that's what's important. Here's a man with the resources. He's going to go after the FBI uh, he appeared today on uh, Steve Bannon's War Room. By the way, I'm pretty excited. Senator Santorum was on War Room this morning. Went really well. Steve's pretty excited about what we're doing. I'll be on War Room on Monday, so you can watch me there tomorrow. Um, but anyway, Lindell was on there talking about the FBI stealing his cell phone, and he's going to sue them. And I love the fact that he's suing them. God bless Mike Lindell and other great patriots that are going to fight back against the FBI. Here's another one from the FBI, and this actually is good news from the FBI. Apparently now, according to PG, uh, PJ Media, current and FBI agents have come forward saying the Biden administration is deliberately exaggerating the danger posed by white supremacists. They're claiming that high-ranking FBI officials were pressuring field agents to fabricate 
domestic terrorism cases and label people as white supremacists in order to, quote, meet internal metrics, end quote. In other words, not enough white supremacists, so you got to fake those. Uh, here's somebody, this is one of what the, one of the agents apparently said. They said the demand for white supremacy coming from the FBI brass vastly outstrips the supply of white supremacy. One agent told the Washington Times, we have more people assigned to investigate white supremacists than we can actually find. The FBI agent who requested anonymity in order to discuss internal bureau politics said top officials in the FBI have already determined that white supremacy is a problem. They've established a policy to prioritize investigations into racially motivated domestic extremism. If they have a Gaston flag and they own guns and they're mean at school board meetings, that's probably a domestic terrorist. Yep. So this is what's going on at the FBI. Another reason why the FBI should be completely done away with and we should start from the ground up. I'm a big fan of ending the FBI. We need to end the FBI. Republicans who are going to take over the House of Representatives, they need to not fund the FBI unless the FBI is completely reformed from top to bottom and completely rebuilt. But the good news is, Agents seem to be coming forward. So I think that's a good, that's good news. Don't you think that's good news? All right, here's good news from the world of public education. It's melting down. Scandal everywhere, everywhere you turn. Drag queens at public schools, they're degenerating. It's an absolute disaster. This is from Hot Air. The article by David Strom entitled Public Education is a Man-Made Disaster. And what you can see is there are people leading this fight. Christopher Rufo, and this is quoting... From the article, I've been an avid reader. One could even say a fanboy of two invaluable generals who are leading the good fight in the culture wars, Christopher Rufo and Matt Walsh. And I'm a fan of both of these guys. Each of them is a clear thinker, passionate leader. Matt in particular is a spectacular order. I'm almost, I almost religiously watch his show and you should too. I do, by the way, I got to say, I think Matt Walsh is my favorite Daily Wire guy. I mean, I love Ben Shapiro, but Matt Walsh is just such an incredible troll. So this is from Chris Rufo. The Michigan Department of Education instructed public school teachers how to facilitate child sexual transitions and recommended that teachers keep a child's chosen name and pronouns secret from parents, even if the child is suicidal. And it's all on video. Yeah, they have this on video. I mean, and Chris Rufo, you can look him up and see all this stuff. The most important thing to note is that if your kids are in public schools, uh, the people running those schools hate you. They hate parents. They hate grandparents. They want to substitute their judgment for your judgment. They want to raise your kids. They don't believe you should be able to raise your kids. Remember, the left's been saying for decades things like it takes a village to raise a child. That sounds annoying, but really what they mean is your kids should be raised by them, should be raised by the state. You should have no say over it. They should sexually indoctrinate your kids. You should have no say over it. In fact, you shouldn't even know. And so this is what the schools are doing. And this is really important for you to know the positive news, the good news really out of all this isn't that the schools are so bad, it's that they're melting down and kids and parents are leaving these schools in record numbers. The numbers in the public school systems in all the major cities around the country, they're falling dramatically. I love that. If your kids are in public school and there's any way you can, and I can't imagine anything more important right now, pull them out, homeschool them, private school them, Christian school them, whatever you got to do, get them out of the public schools. By the way, some of the private schools really bad as well. So be really careful where you put your kids. But that is good news from the world of public education. Public education is melting down. This is another institution that needs to be ground into dust. And if we even want public education, we have to reimagine how we're going to do it. And we need to rebuild it from the ground up. All right, here's more good news. It's sort of good news. Well, it's good news. Good news from Ukraine. It appears that Ukraine is completely dominating the Russian armed forces at this point. They're driving them back. 
In some cases, they've even reached the Russian border, pushed them completely out of Ukrainian territory, and they're now shelling positions inside Russian territory. Now, look, I know there are people in the West and conservatives here in the United States of America that aren't thrilled with us spending all this money, billions of dollars, literally. I acknowledge that in Ukraine. I'm actually in favor of it. And the reason that I'm in favor of it isn't because the Ukrainians are so great. It isn't because they're non-corrupt. It isn't because I don't know there's some Nazi influence in their armed services. There, there are in the Aslov brigades. We, we know that exists. It's because we are denigrating the military capability of a geopolitical foe. And that's what's Russia. Russia wanted to be a world hegemon. They were never that strong. Uh, but they are definitely a regional imperial power, or they have been. I think those days are completely over. In fact, I'm pretty sure those days are completely over. Now, the scary part is nobody knows what comes after. So Russian military has been decimated. The Russian people are not happy about what's going on. The countries that signed on to a Russian alliance, well, I don't know what happens to them now because they're on their own. They're They're completely on their own at this point. And that gives their rivals a chance to take matters into their own hand. It could really destabilize the area. Right now, you have an Armenia, Azerbaijan flare-up. You've got Belarus is a problem. That's 10 million people. And that country has hooked itself to Putin's star. You have Alexander Lukashenko of Belarus. I think he's going to be cut down to size now by the Poles, the Latvians, the Lithuanians, the Estonians, the Finns, and the Swedes. They definitely want to go after him. Uh, so... I'm not sure what's going to happen. I have a feeling he's going to get driven from power, maybe tried for war crimes. You can tell, Levi, do you think the same thing? Is that what you're saying? You have a particular interest in Ukraine? There you go. That's that's Levi's opinion on the matter. Actually, the UPS guy just arrived, so he's warning me that I'm in mortal danger. Anyway, you got a problem in Georgia, and I think that not our Georgia, but the Georgia over there, I think, the Georgians had tried to call Russia's bluff before, uh, and they tried to invade their former secessionist republics of uh, North Ossetia and Akbazia several years ago. It didn't work really well. Georgian army got destroyed, so I think they're going to sit back and watch what everybody else does. you got problems in Moldova. This affects Israel also because Big Brother Russia has been propping up Syria. So now Big Brother Russia is not going to prop up Syria anymore. So the question is, what happens in Syria? I think probably the Israelis leave Assad in power. He's weak. He's feckless. That probably works for them. Uh, but you never know. Everything I just said, by the way, a lot of that is covered in an article uh, from Lawrence Persons Battle Swarm blog for September 14th. Uh, you can watch all this or read all this. There's some good video there. If you like watching what's going on in world politics, I just talked to a good friend of mine, Professor Gordon Middleton from Patrick Henry College. We we're talking Ukraine. This was literally right before I came to talk to you. And he said, man, nobody knows what's going to happen. Here's the worst case scenario and possible that you've got Putin backed into a corner and he decides to use WMDs in Ukraine. And he could do that. Or he could wipe out a couple of Russian or sorry, Ukrainian nuclear power plants and create an uninhabitable zone. And then the question is, now you're into just war theory. Do we go after Russia at that point? I mean, what do we do? What happens if he uses tactical nukes? What happens if he uses chemical warfare? What happens if he blows up nuclear power plants? It's pretty desperate at this point. So any of that stuff could happen. The good news out of it is that our chief geopolitical foe in the area has been pretty thoroughly defeated at this point and probably won't be even a regional threat for a long time to come. The bad news is kind of uh, nobody 
knows what comes after that. All right, here's a quick COS update. Uh, I was in Pennsylvania last week. It was so fun. You can see some video of me on Instagram there. I think we posted some stuff online as well on our website. But I got to go to, uh, where was I? Meadville and Beaver and Houston, not Texas, Houston, Pennsylvania. What I would describe as real America. I mean, mostly small towns. You walk down the streets, you feel safe. Great Americans living there. A lot of conservatives, a lot of Republicans. I felt right at home. Got to be in American Legion Hall, which I love doing. I love being in places like that are just super real Americana. And I met a lot of great Pennsylvanians. I think we got a decent chance in Pennsylvania, probably not before the end of the session, but as we move into next year, all you folks from Pennsylvania, the main thing I can tell you is be involved in your elections. What's going to happen in Pennsylvania is going to matter to the rest of the country, and we need you there. And so get involved. Go block walking, make phone calls, give money if you can afford to give money. We need it. And this coming week, I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. I'll be appearing at the uh, Media Research Center annual gala. It's called the Night of the Unwoke. It's going to be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be meeting a lot of great people, leaders of other organizations there. I know Jeremy Boring is going to be there. I'm going to get a chance to hang out with him. I know uh, Seth Dillon from Babylon B is going to be there. So Daily Wire and Babylon B in one place, the leaders of those. Can't do better than that. My lovely wife, Patty, will be with me. So it's going to be a great week in Washington, D.C. Wait, I just said it's going to be a great week in Washington, D.C. I mean, it is for me. I don't think it'll be a great week for Washington, D.C. generally, but a great week for me in Washington, D.C. I'm excited about that. So let's go to Q&A. Uh, Q&A is my favorite part. You know why? Because you guys are smart. You ask good questions. You know what you're doing. If you want to upload a video question, go to conventionofstates.com forward slash battle cry. Try to keep it under 30 seconds. No monologues. I'm the guy that gets the monologue here. But you can't ask a question if you want to have your smiling face on there. Or you can email your questions to battlecry at cosaction.com. All right, here are questions. Marsha Clark, do we effectively have a one-party system? The answer is no. No, we really don't. Look, the parties are very different right now. I'm going to give you a big caveat to that. The parties are very different. Literally, the Democrat Party, I think right now, is dedicated to the destruction of the United States of America. Everything you hold near and dear, constitution, liberty, freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. I mean, just saying simple things like men are women and women are men is what they say, right? Isn't that what men are? I don't know. It's so confusing. The simple concept that men are men and women are women, they're against that. They're for indoctrinating your kids. They're for murdering babies. No, the parties are very different right now. However, that being said, the way they govern in Washington, D.C. is very similar. And I would say it's because of this. The Democrats, the way they govern is they seek power for the purpose of exercising power to carry out their vision for America. Republicans seem to seek power in Washington, D.C. for the purpose of holding power. Like they go there and then they don't really do anything because they're afraid if they do anything, they might anger people and then they won't be able to come back. It's a really weak and feckless way to govern. So I don't think we have a uniparty. I think the parties are different. But honestly, when they're in power, I think the Democrats do a better job of enacting their vision for America and the Republicans are pathetic. So I'd still want Republicans there, I think, because they're not going to do the crazy stuff Democrats are going to do. But we need to force Republicans to do conservative constitutional things to take the power out of D.C. and return it to the states. Let's see. Debbie Marcolonis asks, what is COS? The basic question. COS stands for Convention of States. Article 5 of the United States Constitution contains the provisions whereby you and I get to amend the United States Constitution. Now, I say you and I, 
The first half says when two-thirds of Congress proposes an amendment, two-thirds of both houses, it goes out to the states for ratification by three-quarters of states. That's still you and I because effectively we elect those people. The second way, more directly you and I, says that when two-thirds of the states decide they want to call a convention, they get together in a convention of states. That's COS, right? They gather in convention to propose amendments to restrain federal tyranny. In our case, to propose amendments to impose term limits on federal uh, on members of Congress and federal officials like deep state officials, like, you know, Fauci kind of people, like FBI kind of people, like Christopher Ray kind of can't be there forever, right? So that's number two. And the third is anything that would impose scope and jurisdictional limits on the federal government, like getting rid of the Department of Education, Department of Energy, getting rid of the EPA. These are agencies that never had any authority to exist under the United States Constitution. That authority is court created and we can fix that stuff. Uh, Cassandra Paquin or Paquin says, how realistic is it that we can get a COS called? It's not only realistic, we're going to get it done. 19 out of 34 states have already called for it, 15 to go. Today, 31 out of 30, uh, sorry, 31 out of the necessary 34 states are Republican held, both houses. Nebraska is a unicam Republican held and already passed it for COS. So we have 15 to go. We have 31 states controlled by Republicans. After this cycle, I'm predicting it'll be 33 controlled by Republicans. Minnesota, uh, we have to flip one house. I believe that's going to flip this cycle. And I think there are other states that might flip this cycle too in a red wave. And then Virginia is going to flip in 2023. That's an off-cycle election, 2023. They already hold the House of Delegates in Virginia. The Republicans, I think they're going to get the Senate in 2023 because it's a one-seat advantage for Dems. They already won the governorship all statewide and they won the house. Now they're going to pick off the Senate in my opinion. So yeah, we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done in the next couple of cycles. Uh, Victoria Buckley asks, what will happen if Congress stalls to call the convention? Here's what I say, Victoria. We don't need no stinking Congress. Forgive my reference to an old movie. We don't need Congress to call. The states retain their sovereign authority. If Congress drags their feet, I don't think they will once 34 states have called. But if they do, the states retain the authority to get together and they'll get together anyway. William Messmer asks, what keeps the legislatures of the states among the three quarters majority from adding wording or changing what COS is trying to do? In other words, what he's saying is, can there be a runaway convention? Could the states that are in there decide they want to do something different? And the answer is they can't because the states only have the authority that they gave their delegations by calling the convention. And even if they did, and this is important, well, even if they did, it has to go out for ratification by 38 states. And I want to challenge you, and, and you can send this to the Battle Cry at CO section, if you're worried about a particular amendment, say repeal of the Second Amendment, I hear this all the time. If you're worried about that, then list me the 38 states that would ratify it. Tell me what the amendment is and the 38 states that will ratify it that you as a conservative are worried about. I've made that offer to millions of people over nine years. Nobody's ever sent me a single email because you can't do it. Because the reality is, to get 38 states to ratify is a high bar. And frankly, we're not going to get anything radically conservative. We're not going to get anything radically liberal. You're going to get term limits for Congress. You're going to probably get term limits on the federal judiciary. You're going to get a single subject amendment that says they can't do these gigantic omnibus bills. You're, you're going to get term limits, right? You're going to get fiscal restraints on the federal government, a balanced budget amendment of some kind. The vast majority of the American public supports that. So we're going to get common sense reforms that you and I need to impose on Washington, D.C. Those are the only kinds of things that can be ratified. So no risk from a convention of states. Don't worry about it, my friend. Don't worry. Be happy because kind of that was the theme of the day, right? It was the battle cry 
the actual call to action was don't be fearful. Don't give up and stay in the fight. That's what you got to do. If you want to be in the fight, go to conventionofstates.com, sign the petition, then go to the take action tab and volunteer. We need you in the fight today. I'm in the fight. A lot of you are already in the fight. If you're not, by next week when I come back, when I see you on the battle cry, I hope to see you there and I hope you're in the fight. God bless you. We'll see you next week on the battle cry.